Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Nick Augustine, and I'm your host for this episode of Law Talk Radio, produced by ProServe PR Marketing, the public relations and marketing firm with legal PR practice areas covering family law, litigation, and intellectual property. Support for Law Talk Radio comes from Chris McCarthy of Northwestern Mutual. Chris McCarthy provides individuals and business owners with the expert guidance and exclusive access to Northwestern Mutual's life and disability insurance policies. The Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Please show your support for our programming by visiting and clicking the like button on our social media pages. First, we have the Law Talk Radio Facebook page, and second, the ProServe PR Marketing page, both on Facebook. You can also find links to all of our social media on our website, which is located at ProServePR.com, which is spelled P-R-O-S-E-R-V-E-P-R.com. From that Law Talk Radio page on our website, you can listen to all of the recent episodes on demand through our embedded radio player that goes right to our host network where all of our shows are available back to our first show in January 1st of 2010. Uh, while you're listening, please feel free to click around and listen to and read some more blog articles and uh, other information and content you find on legal marketing and publicity. Now, tonight's show, we have Fighting Against Fraud and Wrongdoing with Clint Frislaw. And every day, big corporations, government, and organizations have the opportunity to steal big by taking a little at a time. From our parking meters to phone bills, elections, and just going to work, it costs us money just to walk out the door every morning. How often do we think that we're being wrong, and what do we do about it? Well, our guest tonight is going to tell us all we should know and uh, share some real interesting information about some of the cases that he uh, has been working on over his uh, years of experience and for over 30 years, Clint Trislov has taken on federal government and fought the rights of consumers, investors, and taxpayers as a class action and public interest lawyer. Mr. Trislov heads the Chicago-based firm of Trislov Law, which is Trislov & Associates, uh, battling corporate and government wrongdoing. Among his many accomplishments, Mr. Trislov has forced improvements upon the city's pension funding and his state retirees' promised health care coverage. Mr. Krisloff has recovered hundreds of millions of dollars from defrauded investors and has protected the ballots of absentee voters and has stopped felon aldermen in Illinois from regaining their old offices. Uh, most recently, Mr. Krisloff has uh, obtained refunds of holders of Sharper Image gift cards and he is fighting to get the same benefits for holders of gift cards at Borders Bookstore, uh, which is bankruptcy, with over $150 million in outstanding unredeemed gift cards. Mr. Krizlov is a graduate of Cornell University Law School and uh, Northwestern University in Chicago. For more information, you can go to their website, which is www.krislovlaw.com. Again, that's www. ChrisLoveLaw.com, K-R-I-S-L-O-V-L-A-W.com. We want to welcome callers to our show this afternoon. If you have a question, of course, our show is neutral and objective, but your questions are still welcome at area code 917-889-9732. Again, that's 917-889-9732, option one to be placed in the caller queue. And by way of short disclaimer, this is a general information program, and the advice shared on our show does not constitute legal advice. Communication with attorney guests among guests and callers on our show cannot Give rise to an attorney-client relationship, and if you have other questions, you should consult with an attorney in your area. Finally, all callers remain confidential, and all rights to the broadcast are reserved. Now, segments we're going to cover on our show tonight. In our first 15-minute segment, we'll talk about consumer fraud and corporate abuses. We'll talk a little bit about cereal, telephone charges, Google privacy, and healthcare. And then in our second segment, we'll discuss corrupt and illegal government actions. Uh, specifically, Chicago's 75-year sale of parking meter systems to foreign governments. Then in our third uh, segment, we will talk about investor protection and also whistleblower cases, um, talk about recording, reporting, and protection there. 
Uh, and then in our fourth and final segment, we'll discuss pension abuses and also election abuses. And we'll focus on protecting employees, protecting benefits, and protecting our elections. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome my guest, Clint Krislov. Hi. Thanks, Nick. It's great to be with you. I uh, thank you for uh, your uh, offer of you your time. Great disclosures at the beginning. They taught us well in law school, I, just, <laughs> and and I come from family law, which means I know that people are, must disclaim and dispose, right? Good job. All right, all right. Well, let's jump right into this. This is some good juicy stuff, and I can't wait till our second segment. I can't wait to talk about the parking meter sale. But first, let's talk a little bit. Uh, tell us, uh, our folks listening. Um, who you are, uh, about your firm, and how you came to practice in these areas. Um, well, my name is Clint Krislov, and we have a, a small boutique law firm that that is focused on class actions and public interest cases based in Chicago, but we chase frauds and injustices nationwide. Um, one of the things on the consumer, and consumer fraud cases are really based on the idea that uh, corporations and commercial operators have figured out that you can make a lot more money by uh, cheating people out of out of small amounts over great numbers. So it's easier to find 10 million people to steal a nickel from than it is to find five people that you can steal $10 million from each. But we've done, um, we've done a number of, of cases along this line, whether it's cereals that had unapproved pesticides, uh, we're pursuing illegal telephone late charges that AT&T had in Illinois. Um, we're in the Google privacy litigation. Uh, we're protecting health care insurance for people who retired in reliance on it. And actually, one thing that, that many of your listeners probably have is a Borders gift card. When In the Sharper Image case, when the company went into bankruptcy, it left about $19 million in unredeemed gift cards out there, and we were able to get to file a class claim and get it certified by the court. And then we got a special consumer priority, which is based on the old layaway programs. But the concept basically is that people who deposited money or whose claims come from a deposit of money for goods that were never received get a priority. They get ahead of the, the general unsecured creditors in the bankruptcy. And in that case, in Sharper Image, we were able to uh, set up a claim process whereby everybody who kept their cards and turned them in in the process has gotten all is going to get all their money back. And even some people who uh, filed affirmation claims that they had a card but don't have it anymore, uh, those people will get it appears 30 cents on the dollar. In Borders, uh, the numbers are far higher. When Borders went into bankruptcy. They had about $250 million worth of unredeemed gift cards out there, which is a huge amount, and millions of people who had those gift cards. And when the stores closed, there were still $156 million in unredeemed gift cards out there. We have filed a claim in the bankruptcy court in New York to get the, those gift cards certified as a class and to get them that same priority. And right now we're we're right in the midst of fighting with the the general unsecured creditors, the people who sold them books and and shelves and tables and stuff like that, in order to get that same priority and get the borders people, uh, the borders gift card holders, back their money. Mm -hmm. We'll see how that turns out. Can you talk a little bit about, uh, for the benefit of those who don't uh, understand or know the difference between a class and the certification of a class versus multiple people with uh, individual claims? Okay, sure. Um, the The whole concept of class action comes from the fact that for many people, that for there's a, there are claims that are too small to be able to support finding a lawyer all on their own, but they're good claims anyway. Take the Borders people. Each Borders cardholder might have uh, $10 to $100, and they want to assert their rights, but each one, in order to find a lawyer to uh, represent them, nobody's really interested in representing one $10 claim or $100 claim. And so, because all the claims are essentially identical, and rather than flood the courts with with tons of independent cases, it's 
sort of an administrative convenience for the courts and for the parties, and it, it enables small claims to be put together or aggregated so that they can be all pursued by one person. And so it's it's really a good question because most people think that we have to somehow assemble a class of people and contact all the class people. Rather, what happens is somebody calls us up and says, you know, it doesn't seem right that, say, Borders isn't honoring its gift cards or that the phone company is charging us a late charge and um, can you do something about it? And so we analyze the claim and we see, is this a claim that is, is similarly similar to what thousands or hundreds or millions of other people have the same sort of claim? And then we can file the case on behalf of that person and then we ask the court to uh, certify that it can proceed not just for that person but for all the class members. And so we can get um, a much bigger recovery and it can support legal fees because we'll usually take a portion of what we recover. We generally don't charge anything uh, if we don't recover anything, but we'll take a portion of what we recover as approved by the court in the end based on how well we do. And so there's a great incentive to pursue the best possible recovery for class members and um, to get the best sense of justice for everyone. Clint, what if someone out there thinks that they may be uh, overcharged? I know that we were talking about um, you know, telephone charges. I know this came up with ComEd, uh, I think with ComEd some years ago, uh, where charges didn't seem to be adding up, and a consumer thinks that they may have something that may back up to, you know, will be a good class action suit. What should they do, or how do they know if they've got something? Well, they should call us. We get about 100 calls a month from people who say, literally, like years ago, a person called me up and said, you know, it doesn't seem right that the phone company charges you a late charge after only giving you about 10 days to pay your bill. And it turned out that they, the phone company was required to give you 21 days from the date of the postmark on your bill. Uh, which doesn't seem like a, a, a huge consequence, but the fact is the postmark on the envelope is checked by the Postal Service, and so if it's, if it's misdated, those are kicked back to the sender. So there was independent corroboration of when it was sent. It turned out the phone company was using a, a postage method that didn't have a dated postmark, and the result was that they changed their procedures, and, and we got a significant refund for class members. But it just it, it typically happens that somebody says, you know, it just doesn't seem right. I just I got cheated on this and and I think there's probably other people too that got you anyway. We'll take a look at it, we'll analyze it and we'll determine is this a good claim. And to most people is there are a number of people out there that have similar claims that we can ask the court to allow us to pursue all of them in one proceeding. Mm -hmm. You know, another thing that, um, that comes to mind is that when you have a large organization with uh, sophisticated systems and processes, you would think that sometimes, well, most consumers would assume, well, it's a big company, they've got it all right, but sometimes they don't even know that they don't have it right. So, you know, these class action suits are not only to penalize, but also to help correct, uh, you know, wrong systems and malign systems and help, help the you know the people on the defending side get their ducks in a row to protect consumers. I just don't assume that they're all uh, you know waking up early in the morning to figure out new ways to defraud. The um, sorry, I was uh, I was is it that you think who's sitting up every night looking well, I at just, the fraud? I, I'm just I'm suggesting that these consumers these these class action suits are a way to help larger organizations and systems correct some of these problems because you know you mentioned uh, make a mention of the uh, the post office with their system you know I don't I just I don't know do all these you know there can be problems in larger organizations that these class action lawsuits can correct oh absolutely yeah. sorry they you're you're absolutely right these the the whole basis of our legal system is not just that the government uh, monitors everything and and you know, we you could say that the government doesn't have. We don't want to give the government the resources to monitor everything. We don't want them to monitor everything. And the fact is that consumers are usually the best judge of of have I been cheated? And that whole concept of curing corporate wrongs by 
one person taking action. That's what our courts are for. One of the great things about our system is that it enables people, average little people, um, average people to take action when their rights have been abused. You're entitled to, you know, people talk about caveat emptor, but people are entitled to have honest and fair dealings from their from the commercial enterprises that they deal with. And so this helps keep those enterprises dealing on the straight and narrow and correct those injustices as they occur. Well, you talk a little bit about the um, little bit more about the cereals and pesticides though that's such a consume, uh, concern for so many consumers. You know, the the human food process is so interesting because in that case, um, it was against General Mills over at a, there was a period when they used an expansion inventory of, of oats that had been treated with a pesticide that hadn't been approved for human consumption. And it, um, it was discovered not because anybody tested the human food. It was because the same oats found their way into cattle feed. And I think the Iowa Department of Agriculture had done routine tests of uh, cattle feed and discovered this unapproved pesticide, and they backtracked the whole thing back to this one inventory and then discovered it had been used in oat cereals for a, a period of time. Um, what amazed me is that the whole human food process is so little monitored, even compared to cattle feed. Uh, in that case, we got, uh, although some people think it's it's controversial to have a coupon settlement, that was a coupon settlement that um, the company had to keep issuing coupons until at least $10 million worth of coupons were redeemed. And so we got back. People had really got great benefit from that settlement. And, of course, it heightened the monitoring of our human food process, which is so critical to our health and safety. It is. So, again, I think that the word, uh, I think the, the, the takeaway really is that um, consumer fraud and these corporate case, cases of corporate abuse and uh, things that are going on that, that, that hurt and uh, injure consumers, this is the right avenue. And if you think that you have a case or something that is going wrong and it just doesn't seem to pass muster, ask somebody, say something. Call an attorney. Call you know. Call Clint here. You know, <laughs> find out. Absolutely. Know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we love to get those calls. This is how we discover these things, right? That's right. That's right. right. And and you just never know where it pops up. Um, we had some people who contacted us in Southern Illinois. Their insurance company had been taken over by a big health carrier, and they were all forced to reapply as if they were strangers to a new insurance company rather than just have their health insurance renewed. That case has been going on for a number of years, and we're determined to see it through to get justice for those people. But mm -hmm. it, could, it could be almost anything. could be um, right now there's litigation over Google's uh, privacy tools that they use to circumvent the protections against um, Internet access to your Apple-based browser. And so there's litigation. There's probably 60 lawsuits over that that are going to be uh, all assigned to one judge somewhere. But that's, that's a case where Google's a very inventive company. It developed it. it uh, professes to do no harm, but then figured out a way to uh, work its way around the Apple Safari browser and to take your inf your individual information and use it. And there's few people better than Google at figuring out how to monetize your personal information. Mm -hmm. And so many of us are dialed in, and that's um, <laughs> you know a lot of our information is out there, and it's. You know whether the companies again. My 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 suggestion is even though they might have intended to do their customers right, sometimes they get it wrong. I don't know. Even, that they, it's right. Sometimes even companies that try to do the the right thing do get it wrong on occasion, yeah. and this helps get those those things corrected. Sometimes they're abuse, intentional abuses, and sometimes they might be mere oversight. But usually, if they're mere oversight, um, usually they'll correct the problem and and make an appropriate uh, compensation to the people who've been injured. 
Precisely. All right, so moving on, we're going to next talk about, uh, in our next segment, we're going to talk about corrupt and illegal government actions, specifically looking at Chicago's sale of the parking meter systems. But first, we're going to pause for a quick break. I have an event to tell everyone about. This is uh, grab your pen and pencil in the calendar and uh, save the date. Um, that's actually coming up next week. I've been reading about this for some time, but um, it's marked the date for June 7th through June 9th. So national National Association of Legal Investigators holds its national conference to celebrate Nally's 45th anniversary. Presenters at this event include myself, uh, Nick Augustine, as well as Cynthia Hetherington, Andrea Lyon, Todd Throne, Jed Stone, and representatives from Dynamic Safety, LLC, and Reed and Associates. Uh, attorneys are encouraged to attend this event, and as always, the presenters for this Nally conference are the best of the best in their fields, and you will learn new information that you can take home and put to use immediately. The presentations are balanced with criminal, civil, and general litigation issues to best educate all attending Nally members and the attorneys who are learning more about working with Nally certified investigators. Now, again, public defender colleagues, paralegal, and attorneys are encouraged to attend this event. And if you'd like more information, you can direct your inquiries to the Office for NALI, which is, again, the National Association of Legal Investigators at area code 517-372-1500. Again, that telephone number is 517-372-1500. Or you can also email me. I've got information on the event. I believe they are still registering people. It is going to be, again, uh, next weekend, uh, June 7th through June 9th the National Association of Legal Investigators here in Chicago for its annual summer conference. All right, now back to our program with Clint Krislov. We are talking about all of the ways that uh, the big guys, uh, you know, waking up to fight the big guys every day. And what was the, this, can the Chicago Tribune quoted you as up against the big guys? What? Yep. Yep. So was that quote talking about the parking meter issue, or was that something else? Actually, that was that was quite a while that was quite a while ago. We had taken on the city over using uh, its pension contributions for its own benefit rather than the pension funds, which were severely underfunded. And then the um, the city tried to cut off the retiree health care, so we represent the city retirees for to protect their health care coverage. The parking meter case is, is much more recent, and it's. I guess it's probably our most popular case in Chicago anyway because this deal has been so un uh, hated by most people but here's what we did in that case um it is a taxpayer suit because there are, there are very limited ways in which you can challenge city actions but the concept is it's a taxpayer suit to enjoin the city from spending money on an illegal deal we have a number of grounds that we think it's illegal, but the court has allowed it to proceed at least on the ground that the transaction basically consigns the city's legislative powers to this third party, the CPM company, that every time the city changes anything about the parking meter system, it has to compensate CPM for the present value of 75 years cash flow. So if the city removes a meter, they have to pay CPM. If they have a number of handicapped spots that don't pay, has to pay CPM. And the money is not trivial. Although the city got $1.16 billion up front, mm -hmm. the, uh, the bills by CPM for these changes have, have run seventeen twenty. This quarter, there's a $50 million bill that CPM wants paid basically for providing handicapped for the cities having handicapped parking, um, some spaces that don't pay, that don't have to pay the meter. Um, the we're looking at the garages deal as well, which is, which was a deal that um, there's three big privatization deals. One is the Skyway, one is the garages, and the park. But the parking meter deal is the most. Um, hated, I suppose, of the three because it has the most impact on everybody. The deal itself sets set the increase in the in the rates that everybody is paying now, and perhaps it wouldn't be such a big deal if the money was going to the city, but instead it's going to this entity that's controlled by uh, the Sovereign Fund of Abu Dhabi, the, the Allianz Insurance Company um, in Europe, and a whole mess of Morgan Stanley 
limited uh, partners, investment partnerships whose owners are no one knows. Uh, but had the city just, our view is, had the city just done this deal itself so that it would have uh, taken out a bond for about 30 years, secured it by the revenue from the parking system, and and then kept this kept the revenues to themselves, they could have paid the thir- relatively small 35 or $40 million that was paid to improve the system, and then the city would get the revenues from this, not these foreign entities. And indeed, it turns out that in the garage deal, um, when the Aqua condominium building went out with, they have a garage that had apparently 1,200 excess spaces, um, the other Morgan Stanley unit called, instead of CPM, uh, Chicago Loop Parking, they want $200 million of the $563 million that they gave the city originally. They want $200 million back because there's a 1,200-space parking garage operating within the Loop area. And basically the, the, the biggest problem with these contracts is that it constrains what the city can do, what we as the as the citizens, it constrains what the city can do. Rather than legislating in the public interest, it has to legislate in whatever basis it can afford to compensate CPM or Chicago Loop Parking for any changes in the system. So we've, we've basically given over control of how we operate our parking system to these private entities, and we can't take it back except by expenditures of huge amounts, tens, hmm. hundreds of millions. Right, here's another question. This is kind of a curve. I, I'm going to toss this one at you anyway. So the Illinois Tollway, um, I've known so many people who have asked me, um, hey, Nick, who do you know I can talk to you about this? Because I keep getting uh, ridiculous bills from the Tollway, and, every, and the tolls have a $70 fine on them. I heard, and this is what, again, people are asking me this, I heard that some company in Syria owns it all, so they can't really suspend my license, et cetera, et cetera. What do I do? Toll, tollway won't settle. Um, a lot of people are talking about class action uh, lawsuits against Illinois Tollway. Has there been any action of that kind? And uh, do you see that there's anything forthcoming in the future, possibly? On the tolls or on the parking tickets? On the, on the, well, on the tolls and toll violations. And because the suggestion, again, was that um, it, it was also a partially sold to foreign entities. Well, the, I don't know, the, I don't know the only one that, that the only highway system that we have in Illinois that was that was sold to a private entity was is the Skyway, and we've been looking at that deal. I suppose you'd call this the privatization trifecta. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been looking at that deal because it it requires the city of Chicago to provide police patrol over the Skyway, even though it's owned by a private company now it's sort of like if the city sold a city parking lot to Macy's and um, part of the deal was that city police patrol the parking lot everybody would be up in arms Um, generally those tolls the tolls are um, you know we take a look at those we have not yet but that's that we'll add that one to the list we'll add that to the list because again the person that I was talking to about this suggested and you know I don't know what I I have no idea who officially owns the tollway system but it was suggested to me that they cannot suspend licenses because it's not state action because it's private ownership now and so no one's getting suspended so no one's taking it up which is why we have no case (laughs) so um, you know again not having uh, researched the ownership or anything on tollway myself I was just curious because uh, the you know the private private sale of parking meter systems um, you know, makes a lot of people immediately think of tollways. So who knows? Maybe you'll get some calls on tollway. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Yeah, it, know. It's one of the great things is there's always there there never there seems to be an unending flow of injustices and abuses <laughs> and and uh, so you know I guess we'll be busy for the next three months or four <laughs> months at least. When do you expect to? Uh, where where is the with the parking uh, parking meter cases? Uh, where, where's that case at? Is, uh, With the you... meter case, the judge has upheld the complaint, allowed it to proceed, and we're in the uh-huh. process of briefing what we call summary judgment, which is um, our position that on the face of the document and in the way that it is operated, the court can determine as a matter of law that the contract is illegal. And we'll see 
I think we're working towards a July hearing and decision on that. May take a little longer to get the decision, but it's a. Uh, I think we'll probably have a hearing on that uh, about mid-July. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope that you go past summary judgment. I hope this case goes to trial because I think there are a lot of people who want to see some action. A lot of people were upset by the deal. I'm a, a resident of the city of Chicago and have a car and I've dealt with the people myself. And I, I swear those people are commissioned. They, they look for your car and they know I have what, What's good about summary judgment is this is this is the trial. What what we're saying is is not that it should go to trial. What we're saying is that on the face of the documents, the contract is illegal, and so uh, they're going to have to do something about it. Now, our view is that, uh, and and obviously the long shot desire is to have the deal thrown out and keep the money. If we accomplish that, um, I expect we'll consider that was a big success. If okay. nothing other than they're forced to make changes in the contract so that it gives the city back its flexibility, it gives us back our control over legislating in the public interest, that's a good result. Oh, I see. So it was a plaintiff's motion for some of I see. Very good. All right. Well, we're going to break for our next uh, message here. It's another event I want to tell you about. And then when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about investor protection and also about whistleblower and whistleblower cases. So quickly, I want to let you know that Clerk Dorothy Brown and her team had volunteers assembling uh, last week. They all earned 2.5 MCLE credits for participating in this year's 2012 Expungement Summit and Training hosted by the Circuit Court of Cook County. Uh, All the training for the attorneys uh, helped them prepare so they can assist members of the general public at the Expungement Summit. Uh, assist them with uh, producing petitions so that the individuals of the public can go and file those. Uh, the Expungement Summit concerns uh, applications for juvenile and adult misdemeanor and felony incidents that took place in Cook County. This year's Expungement Summit takes place Saturday, June 2nd at the Apostolic Church of God located at 6320 South Dorchester Avenue in the city of Chicago. Again, June 2nd at uh, the Apostolic Church of God from 8.30 to 6 p.m. For additional information, you can dial 312-603-5200 or 312-603-0467. You can also find the flyer for the Expungement Summit on the Clerk of the Circuit Court website located at www.cookcountyclerkofcourt.org. And uh, while I cannot attend this Saturday, I will be interviewing Clerk Brown for an article for the upcoming Chicago Lawyer Magazine's Around the Water Cooler publication next week. Um, if you get the chance, you should check out the Expungement Summit. If you are interested, there will be many of members of Cook County's administration present at the event. And if you are an attorney looking to uh, get a job or work within the administration, it's not a bad idea to go and meet some folks and learn about everything that uh, they do and learn more about uh, the work of the Circuit Court, Dorothy Brown. And, of course, you can find uh, her interview on our program on our website, ProServPR.com. And again, uh, Saturday, June 2nd is the upcoming Expungement Summit. They uh, really enjoy this um, opportunity to uh, meet with members of the public and uh, help out. So back to our program. We are talking with our guest, Clint Krizlov, and we are talking all about fighting against fraud and wrongdoing. And in our third segment, we're going to talk about investor protection and also talk about whistleblower cases. Um, But first, with investor protection, tell us a little bit about uh, what folks at home should know about how uh, you and your team uh, work to help in uh, these cases where investors are wrong. Okay. There's there's three types of cases, most of, um, most of which focus on I bought a stock. Say, um, say somebody just bought some Facebook. Well, Facebook went out at $38 a share. It turned out... A lot of people thought they'd have no chance of getting any shares, and we're we're told that. And it turns out that some of the big investors were alerted ahead of time to the fact that Facebook's projected income, uh, its projections were being reduced. And so some of the big investors backed off, decided to buy fewer shares, but nobody told the little investors. And, in fact, some little investors, many little investors, somehow wound up with more stock 
than they anticipated in their account at, at high prices, 38, 39, some as high as 41 or higher. And then when the truth of the matter came out, um, when it became well known that, that this was happening and that, that there had really been an overload of shares uh, far more than the demand, the stock started to drop, and it's been down, I guess, as low as 3031, which is a huge, huge drop. You know, with IPOs, the allure is to buy something which is going to go popping upward, and people are going to make a quick profit, and, you know, is this the next Google? Well, in this case, it turned out to be it went out and fell flat. Um, I didn't check to see what it's trading at today, but, uh, you know, somebody that, that bought the stock at 38 and discovered that there were other people who had who were given information that the projections were being cut back, um, you know, and then find having their more stock in their account than they anticipated, meaning that they have a loss, they rightfully feel they've been defrauded. And so there have been a number of suits brought. We would certainly look at filing a case on behalf of one of these shareholders who wound up buying Facebook at 38, not knowing of the reduced projections. And um, and that's the way our system works is that people in this situation, if you're, the books have been cooked or there's insufficient disclosures and the stock drops because of that, that's considered securities fraud. And those people have a right of action. And so there, there are often a number of cases, and we file those, and they get organized and set up in a lead counsel appointed by the court, and they proceed, and though they take... Sometimes they take quite a while. Sometimes they produce substantial recoveries. There was a case that we did involving the the Bank of America Nations Bank merger, which uh, had an undisclosed, the Bank of America had had an undisclosed hedge fund loss in one of its subsidiaries that wasn't disclosed to anybody until after the merger had occurred. And so uh, that resulted in a, a $490 million recovery for the investors. Um, in another case, we had, um, there was, the company was basically backdating its stock options. It was um, it was a little-known secret outside of the Silicon Valley that there were a bunch of companies that were, that were dating their stock options to some day in the past so that it would maximize their, their employees' um, value in their stock options illegally and we there were many people who sued in securities fraud or for what's called a derivative case for the damage to the company it's like if you're uh, if you own a butcher shop and one of your employees is selling meat out the back door at a discount uh, they're harming the company so in those cases where people call us up and they say I've been cheated or my company's been harmed is there something we can do and so we'll file a case we'll look at it of course beforehand determine if there's a good cause of action and we'll file a case on behalf of all the shareholders for either the wrong done to them or the wrong done to the company and in those cases we do it as pretty much all of our cases we do them all on contingent fees so that we're expending both the time to analyze it for free and and we expend the time and resources to pursue the case. So we generally we won't pursue a case unless it's a good case, and it won't cost the it won't cost our clients anything um, until we get a recovery. And then generally the recovery is on a class-wide basis has to be approved by the court, and so any settlement has to be approved by the court and any fees have to be approved by the court so it's it's actually it it can seem like a messy process but it it often is a remarkably fair process for everybody concerned mm -hmm. you know it seems that there are a lot of uh, victims out there do you work with individual cases as well for example the highly compensated uh, professional athlete who has oversold securities and had a problem we would, um, you know, we, we haven't done a lot of those cases because the individual cases often are required to go to arbitration. Mm -hmm. And we'll do a case. We've done some of those. Um, but they're, they're, 
generally smaller cases, they're individual cases, but we would look at those. Mm-hmm. They go to arbitration. That's a FINRA arbitration, and then sometimes they move on, but most often they end there. Yeah, they're they're they they have a different, a slightly different process, and it, it can't be done as a class on a class-wide basis. And in fact, right. many many companies are now because of the Supreme Court's uh, decision in a case called Concepcion against, I believe, AT and T Mobile. Um, many consumer products companies and brokers have arbitration clauses, which require that. Any litigation, any complaints be handled in arbitration and not as a class. And so that's an ongoing battle because very often if there's only one person's claim that can be pursued, um, you know, even for a few thousand dollars, it's very difficult to justify the expenditure of resources, time, and money. Uh, most recently, the woman who pursued her claim, I guess, against Honda over the mileage in her Civic turned out to be a great individual case, but she practically devoted her life to it. Um, and though she got a good recovery, and it it has triggered some redress on the class side, I guess, um, the, doing these cases on an individual basis can be very, very difficult. But, you know, people, we encourage people to call us up um, or send us their, send us any documentation. Send us, you know, give us all that they have about a case, and we'll take a look at it. And we'll analyze, is there a case here? And if there's a case here and we can bring it, um, we'll do that. Uh, that's how the process works. All right, let's be about five minutes before our next break. We uh, let's uh, talk about whistleblower cases. Whistleblower cases are they're terrific cases. They go back to a concept called quitam, which is a shortened version of the Latin, which says that he who recovers the king recovers for himself as well. And the concept is that somebody knows of government being defrauded, and bad the 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 federal statute was first uh, established under Lincoln for because there were people who were selling dead mules to the the Union Army as live horses. Mm-hmm. So they developed this whole whistleblower claim concept, and and so we we have some whistleblower cases um, proceeding ahead where the federal or state or local governments have been defrauded. A whistleblower can. Um, file a claim to recover for the government and recover a percentage for themselves. But it's a very it's a very tricky procedure and doing it without a lawyer comes at some peril because governments are typically governments typically like to get the benefit and not pay any fees or whistleblower rewards. So there's a procedure that you have to go through to protect your ability to make the claim. Um, we can go into it after the break and talk further about it, but it's a it's it's a very it's a very important procedure. You know, don't try this one at home because there have been people who have lodged really terrific whistleblower claims that resulted in lots millions of dollars going recovered for the government, and then the government stiffing them in the end, saying that the procedure hadn't been followed and they didn't owe them any part of it, and it's unfortunate. But it happens, so you know, don't try this one on your own. Exactly. Well, we're going to pause and take our next break, and then we'll come back and we'll finish. We can talk a little bit more about whistleblower, and then we'll talk about pension issues and election abuses. Something that most people don't really think about from time to time, but uh, it's something that affects everyone. That's for sure. Um, a little what offers we want to tell you about uh, during this break. We want to tell you about some of our offers here at ProServe PR Marketing. We work with lawyers who want more clients and a better practice, and while some hire us to produce all of their marketing and publicity, others want to learn how to do their own business development. We go to Chicago area law firms and teach attorneys and their staff how to leverage experience and accomplishments to attract new media coverage and to help their potential clients and referrals find them and get to know them. Please email, email me for more information uh, at nick, N-I-C-K, at proservepr.com, which is P-R-O-S-E-R-V-E-P-R.com, or you can dial 312-505-2604 for more information. That telephone number again, 
312-505-2604. Additionally, the Brian Law Group handles all the matters that affect your family, including school law and animal law. Myself, Nick Augustine, and Susan Bryan are available to speak to your group and help members of the public spot legal issues that affect families and what people should know about protecting their families. Please email me at nick at brianlawgroup.com. That's N-I-C-K at B-R-Y-A-N-L-A-W-G-R-O-U-P, brianlawgroup.com, or dial again 312-505-2604 for more information. Again, that phone number, 312-505-2604. Um, also, before we get back to our show, we want to let you know that we do have the newsletter page at ProServePR.com where you can sign up and receive free copies of our ProServe posts. We have our uh, end-of-the-month email with all of our uh, marketing and publicity articles from the month and also uh, links to all of our Law Talk Radio episodes. It's another email that we send out. So uh, please go to the newsletter page, jump on, and uh, give us your uh, email and uh, your name and will be added to our list so we can keep in touch. That way you can send us your feedback and information. And we do have many of our uh, guests of our shows come from other members of the community who will make a referral or a recommendation on an issue or topic or something that we don't already know about. So again, there's sort of a collective community experience here and we want to keep that going. And uh, we appreciate everybody's uh, opportunity to uh, jump on and uh, share their information with us. Also, we want to thank everyone out there for sharing our uh, episodes on your Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn pages. Many of our friends and colleagues do find our, our shows and programming through these social networking channels, and we thank everyone for their support in sharing programming. Now back to our program. We are talking again with Clint Krizlov today, and we were just uh, finishing up a little discussion about whistleblower, and then we'll talk about pension and elections. Clint? Okay. Did you have uh, comments you wanted to uh, finish it on the whistleblower issue, or are you done with that? Well, I think the whistleblower issue, the one, the the important thing to know is that because there is this process where you have to provide the government with a, a sealed document, stays under seal for a long time while the government's looking at it. You just have to make sure that you bring it to an experienced whistleblower lawyer who can put it together so that that the government doesn't grab the money and stiff you for what what you brought them um we've done a few of those they um they're great cases they're uh, and they can they can sometimes do uh, a great deal for getting benefits for the government and and benefits for the whistleblower as well mm-hmm. all right well and you know again uh, i i glad that you made your point that um it's important to find a lawyer who knows the details of these cases because um, when we get into administrative law, like I was mentioning before, school law is its own animal, and it's school law and animal law. <laughs> my joke for the day. People, people like it. You know, all the matters that affect the family. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah a lot of these issues uh, deal in administrative law, and they're not as straightforward. Uh, and it's not something that I would recommend a general practitioner uh, to the extent there even are general practitioners anymore. Talk on those cases. So again, find someone who practices in these areas. Always ask for a referral. Even if you have to go through a chain of lawyers to find a referral to the right person, it's the better way to go, always. All right, um, pensions. Let's talk about pensions. You know, pensions, they're the, um, when Willie Sutton was asked why he robbed banks, he said, because that's where the money is. And the fact is, pension assets are huge in our society, even with the... the um, even with the financial calamity that's happened over the and the recession over the past four or five years, nonetheless, there are pension abuses which um, will take action to protect or redress. There was a company some years ago that that um, wound up owned ninety five percent by the employees and five percent by the I called him the greedy grandson of the founder, and he decided that it wasn't fair that these employees had come to own the company, and so he got there. Um, he controlled the employee stock ownership plan. He caused the uh, plan to sell all of its stock back to the company for about half of what it was worth, and we were asked to take a look at the valuation that was done, and we identified some structural structural flaws that that showed that the valuation was was obviously way under what it should have been and we recovered 
another the, it was a small company of about 100 people we recovered about 7 million dollars directly which really just increased their the money in their retirement funds by 100% and then we got a restored ownership of the company um which we then eventually sold sold back all approved by the class members and anyway we got them really quite a lot of money um under ERISA protecting their rights to the company that they had come to own and those kind of retirement benefits um ERISA protects in the private sector protects your right to retirement benefits and there are we do some ERISA class actions we've done some cases where there were two women who were who took an early retirement program at their employer that was the retirement program was misdescribed they didn't discover it until after they retired and um we sued on behalf of everybody who had taken the early retirement plan the only problem was that the only people in the plan who took the early retirement plan were those two employees so we but you know having brought the case we continued for them and uh, you know we saw it through to the end ultimately the court ruled against us in a, in a way that um we thought was terribly unfair but we um you know we'll pursue these cases till the end if necessary if we if we believe in them the uh, other thing that you want to talk about were elections and and uh, honest elections in Illinois that's there's a lot of people that think that's a contradiction in terms i suppose but um originally when i had run as a candidate and had my petitions knocked out because they were the people that we had had circulating the petitions were not uh registered voters themselves the restrictions were really put in there to keep just organized candidates ability to get on the ballot and we got those invalidated in a those restrictions invalidated in a case that the that the state brought all the way to the supreme court we won that case and now uh you can have basically anyone circulate your petitions at the same time it turned out that in the bush versus gore election people who were absentee ballots um who had cast their votes by absentee ballot had had their ballots um rejected on election night but they weren't notified of that until about 3 months after the election had occurred so they did not you know their votes didn't count we sued there and we actually got a change in the law they wound up changing the law because they as the after the district court ruled against them um there now is a a law that if your ballot is rejected you have to be given notice within 48 hours and you have really there's a surprising amount of time there's certainly at least a week sometimes as long as 3 weeks in which you can go to the election commissioners with and generally these are like signature rejections so that people's signatures change over time and I don't think there's anybody who hasn't gone off to college and not changed their signature in some way to to depict their individual persona anyway since then in in each Illinois election there's always some place somewhere where one vote decides the election and I'm happy to say that as a result of our litigation everyone who's had their ballot rejected and has gone to challenge that well, all you need to do is go in and show them your ID to prove that this is me this is my ballot um every one of those people has had their vote counted and that's a we thought that was a major improvement to the system but perhaps you know the best one that that we did perhaps was when um there were aldermen of the city of chicago who'd been convicted of selling their office and so they went off to prison but you know being alderman's a good gig and because of their notoriety they were the name that everybody knew think about it so they decided to run again after they got out of prison and the people who had originally challenged their um their running again had run out of resources and we we contacted their lawyers and told them we would take over the case and we took it over and we took it all the way up to the Illinois Supreme Court and we got a ruling from the Illinois Supreme Court that 
now prevents convicted felons from holding municipal office, which is really a significant thing because municipal offices are the places where most of the interaction with citizens get done. You know, the the old stories about the backroom dealings with the aldermen or go in and leave a 20 on the desk and and your parking ticket next to it and get it fixed. Uh, all these tales. <laughs> or tape, of, or tape, the, uh, tape the, t- the 20 to the back of the driver's license is always the one that I would. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but, you know, and, and those are – and. But those are protections. There, there are legal protections against that. And at least, um, you know, we kept, we are, we have ensured that people who are convicted felons can't even run anymore. And that's an improvement. We can't cure all of Illinois' political system overnight. And, and I guess maybe that's a lifetime effort. But, but I think we've done some. We've had some significant victories that have made some significant changes in the way that that our government operates and and we'll continue to look for them and people call us up uh we really invite the calls to us um i'm glad to make a shameless ploy a play of uh giving our phone number but we certainly welcome the calls yeah uh, tell us tell people how they can get a hold of you because again without and i'm just going to say this quick um, I believe that these larger cases, the, these consumer cases and everything protecting citizens, um, I, I think the public is learning more to uh, appreciate that uh, counsel and you know, attorneys are there to help make the world a better place, um, that a lot of attorneys are there to be heroes, uh, not vultures. Some right. people will think. Uh, our right. number is 312-606-0500. And, and people come to their attorneys sometimes, and their attorneys don't know exactly how to do it we're happy to to hear from the attorneys too um it doesn't affect how much it's going to be charged it's all still on a contingent fee um we're we we live to hear those stories about injustices that need to be pursued and corrected and and we certainly invite your listeners to call us with with their ideas and their their revelations and and just their suspicions is fine too we're glad to we're, we're, the more we hear, the more we understand. The more, the more we'll be able to go after and correct. Mm-hmm. And and I want to make my my point again is I think that there is a level of good in people and in uh, in the world and people want you know especially organizations try to do well by their citizens. Some I think do uh, you know wake up in the morning with malevolent intent, but I think sometimes good people get it wrong. And um, sometimes the big companies that are stealing big, the guy in charge might not know that that's happening. It might be a small group within the company, you know. So um, it's it's the job of good lawyers like you, Clint, to uh, help uh, keep them honest. Well, thanks, Nick. It's 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 nice. I think the the um, we we understand our role in the system, and we see it as as part of the system by which we the people can keep tabs and correct abuses and and wrongdoing in government and and in the corporate sector exactly well clinton i want to thank you for your timing uh calling in today and sharing uh your experience and uh, wisdom with us oh it, it was a pleasure to be here but, you know perhaps we can talk again sometime all right. Well, I do want to have uh, you know. Let me know on a follow up on what happens on the summary judgment uh, hearing with the parking meter cases. I know so many of us, um, you know, but it's interesting how it takes something like that to affect people on an individual basis. And I think that most people noticed a change in the activity with a lot of the parking enforcement around the city. And um, you know, it, it's one thing to have it in the news and, and hear about and hear people in an uproar. It's another thing to start noticing. Uh, some changes around town, and you know, sometimes it takes for that for people to pick up and listen. Yep, that's, that's all right. true. Okay, well, it's well, been great right. being with you. All right, thank you. I'd also like to thank our audience for tuning into this episode of Law Talk Radio. Again, brought to you by ProServe PR Marketing, and with support from Chris McCarthy of Northwestern Mutual. Again, Chris McCarthy provides individuals and business owners with all of the exclusive benefits of Northwestern Mutual's life and insurance policies. Uh, They're located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I want to also thank all of our listeners for tuning in and sharing our programming with uh, everybody else in in your uh, audience and your network. Uh, It's our our audience members that keep us going and uh, keep us with new and uh, interesting, relevant content as we like to do our part to share.
share collective intelligence. Again, this is Nick Augustine for Law Talk Radio. And again, we thank you for your time. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.